arms, two long tentacles, and whatever color it needs to be. The color of ink, or perhaps the color of money. Which depends on if you're in the U.S., the U.K., South Africa, or South Korea. I'm describing squid. Up until 2020, squid might have been recognized as calamari's squishy cold water cousin. But largely due to the unexpected success of the series set in South Korea, Squid has become synonymous with Squid Game, the Netflix series which answers as many questions as it raises, soul-crushing debt. A dystopian future without hope. The South Korean drama Squid Game follows a group of people and they are invited to compete in a series of games, six games total from their childhood, for a chance at $45.6 billion in prize money. The twist, if any player loses, they are killed. Now let's clarify, in South Korea, 45.6 billion prize money is equivalent to roughly 38.6 million US dollars. At its foundation, Squid Game is about the soul-crushing debt that can cause some to risk their lives for the ultimate payday. At its foundation, Squid Game is about the fear we all share of falling deeper into a dystopian future that, for some of us, has seen only an insurrection away. Today, we'll put these concepts into the arena to see which one survives and which one perishes. Two men enter, one man leaves. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, the Matthew Business Network the premier growth platform for established black and urban business owners. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. The patient isn't getting any better. In fact, things are growing worse. The problem is, there is no doctor who can save the patient because of the prescription most needed is financial common sense. A primary indicator of a person or even a nation's health is the debt to income ratio. It's a key indicator of financial health and it's determined by taking monthly expenses and dividing that number by monthly income. Now, if America was personified as the patient suffering from illness of debt, you'll find that person in the ICU. As a country, as evidenced by the recent gridlock and crashes in the U.S. Congress over whether to raise our nation's debt ceiling, our country has been staring at the EKG, hoping not to flatline. The rise in debt is killing us. According to a 2021 CNBC report, the average American has about $90,000 in debt. The average amount of debt by generation in 2020 depends on one's age. Gen Z, ages 18 to 23, 16,000. Millennials, ages 24 to 39, 87,000. Gen X, 
that's my area, ages 40 to 55, 140,000. Baby boomers, ages 56 to 74, 97,000. And the silent generation, or as journalist Tom Brokaw coined them, the greatest generation, ages 75 and above, 41,000. We all know too much about being in debt, which makes us ripe to be the perfect audience for Squid Game, by far the biggest show to debut on the streaming service Netflix. Yes, even bigger than Bridgerton in terms of viewership over these last few weeks since it premiered on the platform back in September. Too many of us can see ourselves at least tempted by the choice of whether we would entertain playing childhood games for an extraordinary prize if we win. This premise lures the main characters into a secret game. Little did they know that the price of losing the game is death. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. What you say, what you say, uh, what you say, uh, what you say, what you say, uh, I freely admit that I had great inspiration from Japanese comics and animation over the years. Hung Dung Yonk told Variety. When I started, I was in financial straits myself and spent much time in cafes reading comics, including Battle Royale and Liar Game. Here's more from the YouTube interview with series creator Hun Dung Yok. I wrote the script for this work in 28-29. When I was writing the script, I wanted to participate if there was a game like this. I had a lot of debt and had a hard time. So if there's a game like this, I want to participate. That's how I started working. 2008 was a year after I finished filming my debut film, My Father. I went to the comic book stores a lot. And there I was inspired by reading a lot of survival cartoons. I started playing the survival with the idea of making it Korean style in Korea and completed the script in 2009. But at this time, the content was unfamiliar, difficult, and cruelly accepted. So I heard a lot of the work that would not be commercially successful. I heard a lot that it was too difficult. And in the end, there was no investment in the movie and the casting of the actors, not good. So I gave up after preparing for about a year. I put the script in the drawer, but it's changed after 10 years. It's sad that the story is drawing attention like the coin craze. It feels like the brutal game aiming over a quick change is already taking place in our reality. Unfortunately, now it's become a world where these games go well together. So when I show people this script, they responded as it was so interesting and realistic, like a story. So I decided this is the right time to make this work. I expanded the scenario two years ago and made a squid game. <laughs> Let's talk about it because it was nine episodes of extreme. I thought initially that Squid Game was a reality show. I did not, I had no interest oh in watching it. My goodness. I had no interest in watching it, Michael. I'm going to admit wow. that to you. Okay. And then I, you said, Valerie, please watch Squid Game. Yeah. Now I've heard from people that haven't watched it. There are a few of those among us who haven't actually seen it that they don't want to watch it. That that it's it's overly hyped. Too many people have seen it. 
So I, so I understand that kind of reaction. That's the way I usually react to things like, oh, everybody is going with A, I'm gonna take a look at B. However, this <laughs> is not the case, okay? So I won't tell you that this is the greatest series ever. It's not. Will, is it compelling? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it suspenseful? Yes. Does it have great things? Yes. Two of which we have identified death and dystopia. And you put those two together and you have this kind of, uh, as the creator of the series said, it's the perfect time for this as an idea. 28, 2009, um, some of us remember that time. Do you remember that time? Unfortunately, it was just after the crash, the housing crash of 2008. So I think we were in the middle of our own squid game to figure out how many of us that either bought homes or was under some type of mortgage was now transitioning into either back home with mama or they were homeless or living with someone because I there are several people unfortunately in my family that had these mortgages that were underwater underwater, underwater and they had to get out get out get out and we were and, and it's weird because we were in transition from one president a republican president to a democratic president and the first However, that was bipartisan wasn't it yeah. That was one of those few things that was bipartisan. You had yeah. uh, outgoing President uh, George W. Bush, uh, Republican and incoming President uh, Barack H. Obama, Democrat, coming in. And the one thing that they agreed on was the fact that uh, if the U.S. market, financial market, went under, the whole world was going to go under with it. And so it was a, a major crisis. Uh, I remember trying to unfortunately uh, move around 2010, the end of 2010. And what that showed me was I I drove cross country from Chicago to California and each city, each stop, each place, spot that I went to in the US, uh, there was evidence of this financial crisis. You'd go to what would be uh, the downtown of the city and there were so many empty storefront there were mm-hmm. so many uh you know closed and for rent signs in, in the in the major cities in the smaller towns just devastation just devastation mm-hmm. empty houses you saw houses that had it started construction and you knew based on what was going on in the world that that construction would never finish we finished that that was just going to be a relic a remnant of what was going on in the housing market. So this is when the the creator of Squid Game gets the idea to write it. Now, unfortunately, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, We're in a place right now where things look good, but you know, uh, (laughs) it can be deceiving. We could easily fall into a mess like that. Right now, our ports have these cargo containers just sitting there. Uh, You know, uh, people have ordered things and want to in this kind of post-COVID, you know, online ordering society that we we come in and it's just waiting there. There are no people to work to get those goods 
or to even put them on trucks or even drive the trucks to us. So, um, Val, I mean, that world, unfortunately, as the, the show's creator said, 10 years later, we might be in another cycle coming up. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I was just thinking about that. You were talking about the housing crisis. One of the two cities here in the Midwest that it hit really hard was Gary and Detroit. Because I, I have friends that live in and around those cities and, you know, uh, things, uh, the steel mills and other major, um, I want to say, industrial um markets they were closing down and moving overseas and so um just thinking about i literally ordered something there's something i have on order that comes that's supposed to come to me every two months and it literally got to me today and it was supposed to come three weeks ago and mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, is this because it was sitting on a, a cargo ship, possibly, or just kind of hanging out? And they send me a they send me a note and says, uh, Miss Johnson, uh, this purchase is still going to happen, but it's delayed. Uh, is it okay? And we'll let you know when it's coming. And I was thinking, okay, this must be this must be it. This is I've ordered something and I'm expecting it at this time and it comes to me three weeks later and it's like, hmm, so. Right, I mean, we, we're thinking now, when you watch the show, at least the first two episodes, you see the main character who uh, becomes the numbers four, five, six, which is symbolic within the show. He's the 456th person to uh, answer this kind of call or question of whether or not you're willing to uh, play this game. And at that point, we don't know what the consequences of the game are. We don't know what the penalty of losing the game is at that point. We just know mm -hmm. it's a game where the the reward is great, right? So- And, it, and, the, and, the, and the visual that they get, I think even in the second episode is that they actually visually see the money that they're playing for. It is and a big, a big bank. right? It's, it's a, a big, big it's, it's a clear piggy bank that looks that has gold lighting on it. It's like a disco ball that's fat. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is the perfect uh, even Pink Floyd fans. You'll get the the kind of the pig uh, uh, floating there. Um, so here is a a brick in the wall. We could say four, five, six enters this game because he has literally nothing to lose and he is written with debt. You think of debt as being just an American thing. It is not. It's uh, global. It's global. Right. It's global. Right. Greece. Greece has gone into that. Uh, the UK has experienced that. Certainly uh, some of the Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries have experienced that and gone into uh, what they call austerity. Uh, which is not a good word. It doesn't sound like it's fun because it's not. Uh, being austere, so trying to be kind of uh, frugal with your spending and what you're doing. So frugality, unfortunately, usually hits poor people hard. Because Real hard. Because the government not spending money, like, like at least one senator from West Virginia would like the government to spend less money in the future than uh, at least the current president would like to do. Uh, usually those are programs directed toward poor people. Like, uh, you know, 
help with tuition to go to um, at least a junior college or uh, to get an associate's degree, right? right. Uh, it's the things that like uh, Head Start programs for uh, children of poor families so that they can get food and be in a good mind state to receive an education and maybe advance out of whatever their financial state of their family is at the start. We're the, we are the people, the poor, who are affected by austerity. So it's always a bad thing. And austerity always comes when a country, not just the individual people, but a country is in uh, financial straits, is in debt. I will say this. I took on debt thinking and hoping. I was thinking about the, <laughs> the, the, the golden goose <laughs> or the pig with all the money. Yeah. I attended, I attended uh, New York University and got my graduate degree and took on a lot of debt. And unfortunately, the dream that led me to attend the school and to try to make it in New York, they say, hey, if you make it in New York, if you make it there, you can make it anywhere. Anywhere. And I was thinking, wow, if I get this degree and get, you know, from the three letters NYU and I should be able to be bankable anywhere. I could go to any studio. I could go to industri Industrial Light Magic. I could go to go up to George Lucas and be like, yo, I know how to do 3D animation. You can hire me. You can. How much are you paying? How much are you? How much debt did I take out to learn? And uh, how much are you? Because there's a ratio, isn't there? It's, yeah. And it was off. And then I found myself working in other industries to pay back the dream that I started in 2002. And the debt followed me 14, 15 years later. And to me, that felt so crushing think about it you've taken on debt to give yourself a, a leg up with the education if i were to do it all over again mike and i will say this and i say this with my hand to my heart love to my both of my parents who are no longer here if i were to do it all over again i would take that whatever amount of money that i took out for student loans and make the damn film <laughs> just make the movie huh go for it go for it I, well oh, well i'll tell you this because i had this discussion uh earlier today we we're talking about different uh working in high school or teaching english which i love to do uh it's been a while it didn't always start out that way but i do enjoy teaching english i like english um but there's certain things that i can and can't do uh, because I don't have masters and now, so even as I talk to kind of the, uh, department director who does have a master's then in talking to that person, it's like, well, you could do that when, but we don't have as many people here with master's degrees. Now, that's one of the things I thought of for the last, last three years. What's the ratio? If I go ahead and pursue and earn that degree and pay out 
that money to get that piece of paper that would allow me to do more than I can do at this point. What's the reward other than, you know, students who have more choices uh, can have, you know, different experiences. But financially, does it make sense? Because if it doesn't make dollars, my it dear. Don't. don't. It don't make sense. And I took on the debt in my early to mid 30s. Mm-hmm. And um, all I can say is, is that you understand what, why the players are there in Squid Game. You completely understand it. They set up definitely uh, player 456. We follow him. Mainly we follow him in the beginning and see what he what his challenges are. He's divorced. He has a young daughter he loves can't buy her anything but he has this kind of gambling issue we and see that early he, on i mean well, i think it's really easy to say he has an addiction which clearly gambling is an addiction but why do people get started gambling in the first place because the temptation to win something to and and that money if you remember if you know and we don't want to spoil it for anybody but the joy he felt when he won and was were they playing were they playing for ponies? They were playing I they agree were with the horses, yeah. Sure. They were playing for horses, yes. And so a lot of metaphors in that like I horse feel race. yes, the horse race. So if you've seen this if you've seen the entire series, you know what we're getting at. But definitely just kind of a lot of wonderful breadcrumbs that the creator puts throughout the first episode which was very establishing because i went back and watched the first episode after watching the entire series and i was thinking this is brilliant now i understand and and you don't see it coming some of the things that he kind of uh, foreshadows and it's wonderful how it, it 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 intertwines and you're um you start to become attached to uh, the other players as you get to know and, and this is going further and further along in the series you become attached to some of the characters that you see some you get aggravated by and you're like oh my gosh I wish they would go away but they're there for a purpose <laughs> they're there for yeah they, you, you want them what was that then they may go away it's only a matter of time <laughs> only a matter of time before everybody goes away so ultimate so ultimately to be in debt is to be prison imprisoned by um a created circumstance that you could possibly avoid um if you the wonderful advice that i've heard from financial advisors and bankers and people that literally try to give you the heads up like hey if you have credit card debt if you have some type of debt make sure it's not 30 it's not more than 30 percent of the total that they give you like if you have a credit card for a hundred dollars you should not be using more than thirty dollars out of that hundred dollars i gotta say i gotta say val and i'm sure is is no coincidence uh, after watching the entire series Squid Game, uh, one of the evenings after, shortly after, I was uh, going through stations on TV and came across 
one of the digital PBS stations and there was Susie Ormond. And I can't tell you, I watched Susie Ormond like I had never watched her before. It's like, oh girl, keep going. What else should I do? What else should I do? There she is. She's uh, So Val's holding up a copy of, of Susie Ormond and a uh, highly airbrushed copy of it, uh, financial guidebook. Yeah, I wanted to order it <laughs> as I was watching it that night. I may still go back and do it. I remember uh, in my early 20s, I think somebody tried to give me a copy of, of, of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. You know what? I have skills. I'll be marketable all my life. I don't have to read this. Whoops. <laughs> so, I, I mean, <laughs> all these things, you know, depending on how old you are, uh, Val ran down statistics. Uh, our generation, Generation X. <laughs> What's the nice word for it? Uh, 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 if, if we were a screw going into a wall with a screwdriver, we would be screwed. <laughs> So how are we going to end this, Michael? What's like the best suggestion we can give people yeah. for wa for watching no, uh, Squid no, Game? Well, well, well. This is the this is what we're talking about now is debt. Then uh, the okay. next thing we want to talk about is the dystopian part of it. But in terms mm -hmm. of debt and dystopian uh, world of Squid Game, if that series does anything for you, if it causes you motivates you to really make sure that you are not spending more than you have especially what can be tempting when you're using online you don't have to go to the store now to spend money right your laptop remembers your uh credit card it's saved in there you just press a button one click on amazon it's all coming to you if there's any lesson that you get from squid game it is do not spend more than what you have it does not end well, mm -mm. Mm -mm. green light, red light, debt, bad no light. Debt. No let, no no debt. <laughs> I was thinking about some movies that deal with end of world scenarios. We are the children, last generation. Yeah, so let, let's let's get into that. Let's get into that now. Um, I happen to be in a good spot to talk about that a little bit. So uh, what Squid Games falls into is a genre uh, of dystopian, um, dystopian, I will, I'll say entertainment, because we're talking about not just movies or TV shows in terms of, of Squid Game, but also literature, which is often the basis for either these television series or movies. Now, when it comes to dystopia, let's get a definition. Dystopia is the opposite of utopia. What is utopia? We go back to Sir Thomas More, 16th century. Uh, he's writing about this utopia. The U in utopia means good, Topia means topic or place. 
So we're talking about, in essence, if you go back to the Greek, uh, the Greek etymology, ha ha ha, UK apologists, I could do it too. So when we break down the words, when we break it down the words, uh, utopia means a uh, perfect place, okay? So this, not, right? Dystopia. Mm -hmm. So not perfect. And often that's where we find our world. Our world is not perfect. Now, utopia was thought to be an idea. And when we look at America, we were supposed to be a utopian place. The Puritans came over. They were getting kicked out of England and uh, the Netherlands. They got sent over to this new, uh, this promised land, right? This Aww. new place. Uh, where they could take over. Unfortunately, they were already people here, right? Right. And they were, you know, who were native to this America, uh, and we can't they get their name. Uh, and then the Puritans decided they don't, they can't do all the work, so they go down to the continent right below uh, Europe and start bringing people uh, against their will into this place to do more of the work, the hard labor. So you have this place that's supposed to be perfect. That's what the Puritans wanted to do. They had the Ten Commandments. They knew what they were going to set up their laws. So they wanted to have a perfect place. In the novel, uh, The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, which kind of continues this concept, which was started by Mary Shelley, of what happens when a group of people want to create like a perfect place. The two things happen in uh, that text, Scarlet Letter. Initially, the Puritans build two things. They say they want a utopia, but their actions speak louder than their words. They build two things immediately. Hmm. A prison, and they set up a cemetery. I don't know about you, Val, but prison and cemeteries is not two things that I want to have in a perfect world, okay? <laughs> That's the very last thing. I want nope, nope, right. nope, 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 nope. So, so even Hawthorne in literature is going back to Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley wrote The Last Man, 1826. Shelley, Mary Shelley's also known for writing Frankenstein, famously Frankenstein. So she writes in 1826 this story about a person who is becomes the last man on earth. Ah. So that's one of the first times we see in literature. Um, this idea of a survivor coming to a a earth that has been destroyed and is without people and having the need to figure out what to do or how to start over again. So that's kind of the roots of dystopian literature. You go back to Mary Mary Shelley, the brilliant Mary Shelley, who wrote okay. Frank. Fast okay. forward that you have novels today from so many sources. And over so many platforms, novels turn into TV series like The Handmaid's Tale. That's dystopian, right? Ah. Uh, there's a new series on uh, FX to Hulu uh, called uh, Why the Last Man. Uh, that goes from a uh, graphic novel origin. Uh, the Hunger Games is dystopian, right? right? Mm -hmm. Divergent is dystopian. These are all examples. I wrote pretty much half of Will Smith's movies are dystopian. All right, because you got you got iRobot, right? You got mm -hmm. I Am Legend. Yeah. And, uh, so he he has been in this uh, Book of Book of Eli with uh, Denzel Washington. Washington. It takes on that as well. So you mm -hmm. have these, um, these kind of like, you know, 
franchises that have really looked at this idea of the world being imperfect, society breaking down, um, an attempt for some to be in a place that at least is perfect to them, but of course, what's good for you may not be good for me. So you have people suffering, like in the terms of the, the Mad Max series, from oh uh, my gosh. on, you know, right. you there in the last one, like Fury Road, you saw um, people without water and in desperate, uh, in desperate search of fuel, right? Fuel to, to, to gear up because they lack resources. And what you have to understand is dystopian literature is always meant to be a warning. So in Mad Max, it's very clear. If we don't change what we're doing in terms of man's impact on climate change, we'll be without water. If we're without water and we're without fuel, we are to follow that alliteration F, right? <laughs> so if right. you can't drink the water and there's no water to drink, and then there's no petrol, as they like to say, the British mm -hmm. petrol, uh, no fuel, you can't run your cars or your engines or your factory. Right. And what does society come to? It comes to a mess where we go back to uh, the concept that uh, Charles Darwin gave us uh, of survival of the fittest, every person for themselves. And you certainly see that in Squid Game. You start out with people sometimes forming alliances like we do in our popular culture. You said you thought that this might have been reality TV. Reality TV today also takes on uh, dystopian uh, concepts, doesn't it? Ah, it sure of, does. Mm -hmm. In terms of Survivor, which has been on for goodness how, knows how many uh, decades. What, I want to say two decades. 30? Easy. 30? No, no it's, 30. Been, it's been oh, it's been the 90s? It came on in the 90s? Check it. Yeah. Uh, I'm checking it. All right. Check it. Check it in real time as we're talking. So I think the five has been around for about 30 years. And then you have Big Brother, right? Where mm. people at times form alliances, but really it's the only one winner, right? Right. Just like the Hunger Games. There's only one person who can win. Okay. So, so you're you're about right. It, can't, it, it premiered in May may 31st 2000 2000 okay so it's entering its uh 21st year but but miss johnson yeah. remember with shows years aren't necessarily seasons are they yeah because they said that it's 40 seasons of survivor and they have 596 episodes so there you go so this concept of dystopian uh settings putting people in these games in which they have to use their skills to survive. It, it's something that is uh, prevalent in our society because it's the feeling that we're only a, a one, you know, one bounce paycheck or two away from a world where we might eat each other or right. kill each other to try to get another payday. That's right. scary. That's extremely scary. And that's it's the reason why. Right, right. And and so the if for nothing else, we recommend you take time. Now this is not for children. This is not for anybody oh, under oh the goodness. age oh, of no, articles written about that. Um and, and unfortunately children are watching this yeah. show. 
uh, mm-hmm. in schools, people are noticing a rise in red light, green light games uh, mm-hmm. with different uh, outcomes, I should say, to what mm-hmm. the game is at, what's going on in the game. So some of these childhood games are getting a revival because of the show. But it's not for kids, is it, Val? No, it is not. You should not be watching this with your 11-year-old, your 9-year-old, definitely not your 5-year-old. You might traumatize these children if you watch it with kids that young i mean this has to be i want to see over (laughs) i want to see someone over the age of 15 16 and then if there's if you're watching this with your teenager have a conversation please have have a conversation about financial literacy thank you thank you because that is so if somebody presents you with the circle triangle square card you simply say, no, thank you. And That's okay. Move, whatever and... language you speak. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm excited for what this, I, I really, I'm so grateful to Michael for suggesting that I check this series out. And I'm glad you did. And just because I watched it, I feel, I understand where that that hopeless almost despairing feeling comes from with something so not tangible that you can't touch you can't touch being in a lot of debt you just know it's out there like a bad penny or a bad omen or something and so a squid like i said squid game definitely uh it definitely covers that definitely covers that end of world I mean, Hunger Games, weirdness. It's just... Now, it's there's always hope, too. Let me mention There's, there's this. always hope, yeah. Let me mention this, because this is important, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in many dystopian texts, though they are depressing and sometimes, uh, I'll borrow your term, soul-crushing to mm-hmm. go through, to either watch or read or consume in that way, many of the times the writer the creator of that genre is trying to communicate a message of hope. They're showing you what the worst outcome could be. You know, even even back with George Orwell in 1984, they're showing you what the worst outcome could be so that you can avoid it. You can make decisions now in reality, in real time to make sure either you or the place that you call home doesn't end up in that situation. And even in Squid Game, we see hope. We see a person who goes through a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this person go through a lot of conflict. Right. Uh, who invests trust and then at times lacks trust in others, but manages to maintain a sense of empathy toward the people around him, especially um, an older player, player one through the series. He manages to, uh, player 46, manages to kind of make sure this person who is considered to be an elder in our society, less so than in the society where this this, uh, story is set, elders, are respected they Mm -hmm. are to be protected they are Mm -hmm. precious they 
give us insight into the past. Um, they have taken care of us and nourished us. So it's the least that we can do to try to make sure that they are taken care of, that they are okay, that they are protected. And we see that at times, even in the most uh, chaotic situations, we see that from player four, five, six, and others trying to make sure that player one is is okay. And that gives us hope, yeah. hopefully, that we won't end up in a place called Squid Game. I'm Valerie Johnson. This is Interlude. In this proud land, we grew up strong. We were wanted all along. I was taught to fight, taught to win. I never thought I could fail. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us as we break down the latest topics surrounding music and movies and politics every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Valerie Johnson and Michael Womble, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by our national sponsor, MBN, the Matthew Business Network, the premier growth platform for established black and urban business owners. For more information, please visit their website at thematthewsbroadcast.com or you can call area code 732-357-5701. When you call for more information, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website liktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media.